0: Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace.
1: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast in the year 2023. I haven't gotten used to that yet, but things some things don't change, like I am sitting across the table from my longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve.
0: That means I don't age, right? I'm still uh,
1: young-looking. By faith? Yes. And New Year... But we really didn't get far on last podcast, if we want to count up verses.
0: I think there's something from last year that we still need to make mention of this year.
1: We do. I don't think it's controversial, but I I think there's a lot of things you're not saying that people think you're saying. And one of the things I think people think you're saying that you're not saying is that for you to believe the gospel is irrelevant. Somehow they get that when you're explaining what you're about to explain.
0: And we don't mean to say that at all. Your your faith is a very important, intricate part of the new covenant.
1: That's where the benefits are realized, I guess you could say. They're there, but to believe them is to realize them and utilize them them. To believe them is to benefit from them. It's to benefit from them, yeah. And I think we're going to, in this podcast, aren't we going to visit our old word, Hooper Minnow? And if you missed okay. some of our other podcasts on John 15, this would be a good podcast to, to catch up on.
0: Tell the truth, it's actually like Hooper Monet, but we call it Hooper Minnow, so that you guys will just remember it. Is easier to remember. Hooper Minnow. Hooper
1: Minnow, yes. And let's see, we were in Romans 5. I think we got down to starting in verse 3. But if you could review Romans 5, 1 and 2, maybe I could read them first and you can.
0: Yeah, please read. Fill some, us in
1: on what we learned.
0: Okay, please read Romans 5, 1 and 2.
1: I'm going to read the King James and I'm going to read a common English Bible.
0: Okay, and then later we'll, we'll get into verse 3 and verse
1: 4. Correct. Sounds like a plan. Romans 5 1 in the KJV. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ or in this English version, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's one thing right there, isn't there? King James says justified. This common English Bible says declared righteous for the same Greek word. Let me read verse two.
0: Both translations have the the freedom to use the words they used. They're completely interchangeable. Justified is to be
1: declared righteous, and to be declared righteous is to be justified. They are completely interchangeable.
0: Yes, and same with to be declared faithful.
1: And faithful, as we talked about last week, if I I was to say, and this is completely hypothetical, no truth in this whatsoever, if I was to say, Steve, have you been... Faithful to your wife, you could say, yes, I have been faithful at times. Ignoring the 77 extramarital affairs, you've been faithful.
0: That I didn't really have. You didn't really have. (laughs) In any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Because this is just a hypothetical analogy. In
1: reality or fantasy. I can joke because... You are one of the most faithful to your marriage. That, In fact, what you said during your wedding vows still blows my mind to this day because you had this concept. And if I remember right, you made your vows to be not dependent on you, but by God's grace.
0: Yes, we weren't vowing to each other. I take you to cherish and to hold and to support. We, we didn't make vows to each other. We just made declarations of what we depended on God to do for us in our wedding. And we made the congregation be the witnesses that we have asked God to keep our marriage rock solid which is the opposite of what they did in Joshua 24, where Joshua said, choose this day which God you'll serve. And they said, we'll serve the living God. And he says, you can't. You'll be a witness against yourself. Well, we made God a witness about himself, concerning himself, whether he would keep our marriage beautiful or not. And, boy, has it paid off. By God's grace. Oh, lately and I have gone like 20 years without ever really arguing. We've yet to have our first real fight.
1: Well, we have something in common. Uh, I've never won an argument with Ramona. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take that back. She said, name something that I did better than her. And I said, I married better than you. And she said, you win.
0: (laughs) That is a good one. I'm going to remember that one, Bill. So she admitted, I did marry better. That is funny. That is too funny. I didn't see that one coming. True story. I got to remember that. I got to remember that. Actually happened. Yeah. But in the case of
1: when Joshua addressed the children of Israel... He said, choose a stay whom you will serve or be righteous to or Or make vows to or make vows to or be faithful to. And they said, we will serve the living God. We vow to serve the living living God. God.
0: We choose. Yes. And we believe we will serve the living God. I just thought that was too presumptuous of me to say, I'm going to make vows and keep them.
1: What was funny was right after they said that, he told them to go ahead and get rid of their idols.
0: I know, just one, one sentence later.
1: Yeah, one sentence later, they said they will be faithful. And then he says, okay, then get rid of your idols that you're currently being faithful to. Right. Trusting in.
0: Right, even at the moment. It was coming out of their lips that they said, we will be faithful. At that moment, they were actually totally unfaithful. So that's what we learned last week, wasn't it? And there's one more thing I want to say since we're on this subject. It's kind of a shameless plug, but everybody out there, you do realize that Bill and I do weddings And we, the reason I want to shamelessly plug the way we do weddings is because our weddings actually line up with this new covenant, which depends on God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So instead of making old covenant promises and dedications and commitments, we actually put God on the spot. We say, God, we're coming here with all these witnesses to say, we depend on you to make us have an exemplary wedding. And if we don't show an exemplary wedding, it's on you. You embarrass yourself. So we want you never to embarrass yourself concerning our marriage We want you to always exalt yourself in our marriage. And it's a fundamental difference in a way a marriage is put together, the foundational theme of a marriage. It is not taking a marriage celebration and making it an opportunity to resurrect that 10 commandment mentality or get back on that performance treadmill. We want God on the performance treadmill for us. In the weddings that I do, I've kept up with the people and the divorce rate in the weddings that I have done is zero. Nobody's gotten a divorce in any wedding that I've ever done that I can think of. God is faithful, and when he,
1: we depend on Him, as your vows said, depending on God's faithfulness to have a blessed marriage, then God's on the line for.
0: So, if you've only if this is the only thing you get out of this podcast, it was definitely worth the money. Just realized a life changing, big ticket item change in the way you live out life from here on out, especially if you're planning on getting married. It's something to consider how you start your marriage off with. And I'll, I'll end there. I I think I've said enough, but I, something I feel strongly about and have felt strongly about for 30 years. I've never done a wedding and I've had to turn them down because of this issue, but I've never done a wedding where, the people that have me married them have said vows to each other okay so enough said let's see
1: so if you're following along and from last week i think we did romans 5 1 and 2. i read one yeah
0: i'm gonna read two okay you want to read one again since keep it in context well yeah. we, we just yeah. Nobody even remembers what one said. We talked so long on the rabbit trail. Okay,
1: I'm going to read one and two again. Okay. Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of of the glory of God. Okay, that was Romans 5, 1 and 2. And do you want to review what we found out last week before we get into Romans 5, 3?
0: Yes, and I'll say, Lord, help me with this because there's a sense in which I'm just clueless about what we did last week. But the the way I see it was we were proving the point that we're not the faithful one. We're not the doer of faithfulness. It, it's Christ in us who is the doer of faithfulness. He is the doer. We, if we were to look at our natural face in the mirror, we would have to say, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do, and because we're looking at our natural man who is not the doer. But the doer is the one who abides in this law of dynamics that gives freedom and it does for you what you can't do for yourself. And we abide in that law of dynamics. We, there's your word, abide. We abide in that law of dynamics. We do and that's what we're getting into
1: in verse three. We're gonna see our word abide. Yes, exactly. So we we saw that being declared righteous, being faithful, and being justified are all the same thing, and it's not something that we do. It's something God is justified, God is righteous, and God is faithful. So having found that out and having God put the first covenant. Before the second covenant, it's blatantly clear there's no one righteous, there's no one faithful. I think Romans 2 lists all of them. No one righteous, no one faithful, no one justified, no not one, one. not Zero, a single person. Nada. And then in Romans 4, you, you get a couple examples of a couple guys that were declared righteous or declared faithful or declared having been viewed by God as justified, a review of their life story makes it very obvious it's not their faithfulness.
0: No, it it makes it obvious that when God said, I'll remember their sins and lawless deeds no more, he meant it, he meant it. And
1: And that's what David calls a blessing in the chapter before. Exactly,
0: since we mentioned it, we might as well Tell you what
1: we're talking about. It gives the example of Abraham was declared righteous even though he wasn't circumcised. And uh, from previous podcasts, you remember that circumcision was the the point that got you into the covenant. You say, I will circumcise, I will set apart my flesh and dedicate it to you was the beginning of the new covenant i'm i'm sorry beginning of the covenant of law you yes. had to do that to enter the covenant and that, that was paul's argument in roman or galatians 5 when he says i i warn you if you allow yourself to be circumcised you got to keep the whole covenant now so, so he gives that example that david was under the law abraham was before the law and neither one was declared righteous faithful or justified
0: not by the history that is recorded in this book called the Bible. There in the history of the Bible, David was a murderer and an adulterer, a swindler. And Abraham had sex with his maid because he didn't believe God, gave his wife to the Egyptian king to have his way with her. He fell on his face and laughed at God when God said, next year you're going to have this child. He laughed at God right in the face, laughed at God. Can you imagine that? That's what the Bible says about Abraham. He did all those things. But in Romans 4, where we get a new covenant look at Abraham, and this benefits you guys too, because this is the way he sees you. Although The Bible records all the failures of Abraham. God sees Abraham this way, and this is what benefits you. He says, as it is written, a father of many nations, I have made you. In the sight of Abraham, he believed even God, who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as existing. He says things that do not exist, he calls them, he, he says they do exist in Abraham's life. They do exist in Abraham's life. And then it goes on to talk about Abraham saying, in hope against hope, Abraham believed, in, even though all everything around him, And his age and everything told him not to believe, but he just grew strong in faith and believed. Well, Abraham did not do any of those things, but God calls into existence things that do not exist. And he's doing the same with your life. He is saying, Mary Jo is a wonderful woman that has strong faith in me Meaning God and does what I need her to do. And she's an awesome Christian woman, even though she's anything but an awesome Christian woman or man. And I have that, that's very comforting to me because God sees me as just being an awesome, super Christian who's doing running around the world setting the world on fire with this new gospel and doing amazing things and getting the word out when I'm not, I'm stuck in a a garage with very, very few people listening, listening to me and Bill. We have a very small audience when you compare it to the amount of people that are on this globe. And we want to reach them all, but we're not. But in God's eyes... He would call our ministry as existing in a huge way instead of the way we see it. And it's a beautiful thing that God does that for each and every one of you. He, he looks at every single one of you, no matter how bad a day you've had, he, he looks at you as, ooh, my faithful child, well done. I just love the things that you did today. How, how you were just so faithful and so courageous when the reality is, is that you, you cowered at the office and did not proclaim the gospel like you should. You went and hid in a corner, and you're ashamed of yourself, but God sees you as just A-OK in his sight, and that's a beautiful thing.
1: And it's before he could call you righteous or faithful, he had to show you, that the righteousness and faithfulness is, is actually a gift. And he had to show you by demonstrating that you could have never obtain this by human effort. That's why, you know, the law came before grace. And that's why he says this grace in which we now stand in verse 2. We have obtained access through his, literally his faithfulness by faith, into this grace in which we now
0: stand. Because of what Jesus did, we stand in this grace. He established us in this grace. And what did he do? He
1: lived a perfect life in a two-party covenant, which was the law. If you do your part, God will be faithful to do his part. Jesus was faithful to do his part. He kept all 614 of the laws. He lived the perfect life, and he lived a life that was completely faithful to God and completely dependent upon God. And so that's what it says here into this grace in which we now stand.
0: We're getting back into talking about temporal things, Thing, not things which are often eternity or anything, but... Your day-to-day life now we're going to talk about. Your day-to-day life.
1: Jesus was the one that was faithful. Not us. We were unfaithful. But now we have access into this grace in which we now stand. That was verse 2. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. You don't see that on too many people's refrigerator, do you? Yeah.
0: How do you usually say it? Who would do that? <laughs> Who does that? Who does that? That's it. <laughs> Who does that?
1: Nobody does that. I, I fall short. I don't even think you could find this plaque at a, or framed picture at Inspiration House or no. one of those places. We rejoice in our afflictions. The word afflictions is also translated tribulations. You know anyone that rejoices in their tribulations? Well, here's what it says. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. That word know there is not the gnosis word. It's not something experience. It's to see. We see that affliction produces endurance and that word endurance there is our our word hooper minnow
0: there's our hooper minnow word
1: which is made famous in john 15 what is it abide in me and i will abide in you and you will bear much fruit and apart from abiding in me you can do what nothing Mm, nothing well, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. For us to have faith, we're not going to get it out of ourselves. We, we just showed you that Abraham and David were credited with faithfulness, but they were credited with the faithfulness of Jesus, who was faithful. In their own, they didn't produce it. Affliction didn't produce in them faithfulness, but it what it does produce is abiding or depending. Amen. When you go through trials, it makes you dependent on him.
0: Especially when you fail miserably at the trial. You quit depending on yourself. And you say, Lord, I need you to help me because I'm fixing to face another trial. And I've learned my lesson.
1: Abraham and David weren't given... They were given grace, but they weren't given this abiding grace that we have. When you're going through a a trial or a tribulation, like Abraham when he was told to go to the promised land and a famine happened, it didn't cause him to be dependent upon God and to have faith in God. When he was facing a famine, he did what he did. What he did was utilize his own strength his own understanding his own own thinking and said I better go to Egypt Egypt is always a picture of the world picture of human effort you could say it's it's a picture of you trying to figure this out on your own trying to solve your own problem so why why would we rejoice in tribulation because we're about to see something that we could never do, Ourselves, Humanly We're, speaking,
0: it's the same thing James says, too. Both of these guys are spot on, and they're both just imitating each other. And so affliction, tribulation
1: produces Minnow. The trial you go through, the result of that is you become ever more abiding or ever more dependent upon God.
0: You do what Jesus told you to do. Abide in him. It causes you to begin to rely on God's strength in you not your determination.
1: Yeah. Determination. And then it says endurance produces proven character and proven character hope produces hope and this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. So let's break this down by asking Steve sort of a trick question. Why does hope not disappoint us,
0: Steve? It, It brings us right back full circle to what we've always been saying here at Guardians of Grace. But the reason... Hope never disappoints us is because Christ in us is the hope of glory, Colossians one twenty seven. Our hope is none other than the person in us that we received when we were born again. I can't tell you how much this Romans 5 passage and the James one passage are both talking about manifesting because they're both speaking about manifesting when it says that we exalt in our tribulations because they bring about perseverance or as James says endurance exact same Greek word both Paul in Romans 5 and James in James chapter 1 are using the same Greek word there. let, let, Let me just quickly tell you what James is saying. It says, Count it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its work, because then you'll be perfect, lacking nothing, and mature. In other words, when the Spirit is showing through you, you're shining as a, as a Christian and we should count it all joy when we face trials or as Paul says, tribulations, trials of various kinds because that is what brings out a manifestation of God in you. The trials that you go through ignite God's energy and he manifests himself through you, and you have the privilege of manifesting the God of the universe. So when you're having troubles and trials that are too big for you, humanly speaking, and yet you see them getting resolved, then you know it's God and not you. You're seeing God manifest himself on your behalf. You're seeing God working on your behalf but that is what this passage in Romans 5 is saying when it says we exalt in our tribulations because they bring out endurance or perseverance and perseverance proven character and I want Bill to just go off on this idea of what proven character is because it will It'll blow your mind. It'll tie everything else that we've been saying here at Guardians of Grace. So
1: when the covenant was cut, the Abrahamic covenant, Abraham was asleep. And Abraham had prepared these animals and cut them in half. And it says that what appeared was a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. A burning lamp and a smoking furnace. A little bizarre.
0: What a weird thing to see. But Abraham wouldn't have seen it because he was asleep.
1: Well, a lamp that burns is a picture of what? The light of the world, right? Yeah. Who is is the light of the world? It's a person. None
0: other than Jesus.
1: He said that in Romans 8, after the woman caught in adultery... John eight. John eight, yeah. Sorry, thank you. In John eight he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me or abides in me will not walk in darkness but have the light of my life. So we have his life as the part that keeps the Abrahamic covenant. It's kept by his what life. Then the other part was a smoking furnace. Now, if I can have you look up this word smoking furnace in some other places, we'll see what, what it means. Can you go to Proverbs 17, 3?
0: Yes, sir. You want me to start in verse 3? Yeah. Okay. But the refining pot is for silver in the furnace for gold, but God tests hearts. Aren't we talking about testing
1: the works to see what kind they are? Are they brought about by the life of Christ or are they brought about by human faith, right?
0: That that's the great white throne judgment. Yeah.
1: Didn't we read that in John or First Corinthians three a few weeks back?
0: That's what I meant. That's the great the, the judgment that we read about silver
1: gold or costly stone wood hay or stubble
0: at the end of time there's going to be a day when all your works will go through the fire and you'll either have produced wood hay and stubble that burns or Christ in you will have produced costly gold and silver and that makes it through the fire, and those are the rewards that you stored up for yourself in heaven. The things that Jesus did through you.
1: So those are the the first part of that Abrahamic covenant was a burning oven. Mm-hmm. Testing the works to see if it's your works or if it's works done by God. That's the first one. There's another one in... Let's see. Can you read Psalm 11?
0: Psalm twelve, six? Yes. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace on earth, refined seven times. Well, who's the earth and furnace that they're tried
1: in? You. And they're proved to be reliable. That's what that word proved means in Greek. Dokios, doki, Dokimon, I think it mm-hmm. is. Proven character is tested, Dokimon. And it's tested in a burning oven, so to speak. And it's tested to see is it the work of the Holy Spirit? Is it the work of Jesus in you? Is it the work of Christ in you, the hope of glory? Or is it the work of your human effort
0: or flesh? So you're saying from way back in the beginning of the book and through Psalms and Proverbs and everything, they were already giving us this illustration about what works make it through the fire and what works get burned up. The stuff that Jesus does makes it through the fire and the stuff that Jesus doesn't do burns up. These are illustrations throughout the Old Testament of this one thought.
1: And that's what he says here that tribulation produces these work because the dead works are, are burned up. And what's left is the love of God working through you. And it says that this love what? Doesn't disappoint. This hope in this Work produced by the Holy Spirit, work produced by a hooper minnow, by abiding in the Spirit, it says it doesn't disappoint. Doesn't it say that? And hope does not disappoint?
0: Yeah, I think we need to run right back there and dig into it. I think so, too. Well, let me ask you, have you got there yet?
1: I did. I'm actually going to pull out the New American Standard. Okay. Okay, Romans five one through five let's Let's go to five six and see where we are. Okay, Romans five verse one. Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He's saying it's all about the faithfulness of God. It's all about the faithfulness of the promise that he made to Abraham. And included in that promise was this idea that would test our works and contrast them with his faithfulness. And doing that would lead us to this dependence on his spirit or the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's what tribulations actually do. They are a test to see what kind of faith this is. What what kind of manifestation this is? Right. What kind of manifestation is, is this? Is it a manifestation of Adam
0: or is it a manifestation of Jesus?
1: That's what it gets down to. Is it Christ in us, the hope of glory? Christ in us, the one that passes the dokimas test? Christ in us that makes it through the fiery furnace talked about in Genesis 15? Or is it our wood, hay, and stubble that doesn't pass? When we look at tribulations, very few people, including myself, have ever thought of it as something to rejoice about. And I don't think you can rejoice unless you see it from this angle. Perspective. Perspective yeah. That you're not going through something because God hates you. Like it says in Psalm five, Psalm 5, God hates those who do iniquity. He doesn't hate you. He hates the iniquity. And he's going to Get it out of you. And that's what trials are for because when we depend on ourselves, we produce iniquity. We produce all kinds of selfish acts. But when we abide in Christ and His love, it produces this trust and perseverance that drives us to depend on the Spirit to do what? For us, what we can't do for ourselves. And that's something to rejoice about. So you're not rejoicing at the pain inflicted by the trial. You're rejoicing in that God deposited His Son in you, His
0: love in you. And that He can manifest during the trial. In other words, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant trials were there to to test your performance. How well you perform at Being righteous in God's eyes Now under the new covenant The tests come But they are testing for Either a manifestation Of the God of the universe In you Or a manifestation of Adam Through you But you can count these trials Joy because they give you the Opportunity literally To manifest God
1: Right the test Shows if it's Adam which is wood hay or stubble or it's Christ in you which is silver gold and costly stone and who knows and there's other ones in the Old Testament about this testing of it to see what sort of work it is no it's
0: the trials come so that Christ in you the hope of glory may manifest himself through you and that stores you up treasures in heaven. Every time he manifests through you, it causes you to receive a reward on that judgment day. Why do you think the the 24 elders give their crowns to God, just lay their crowns in, at God's feet when, when he gives them those crowns? Because they're, they're going, I didn't deserve that. It was all you doing that through me.
1: It was produced by God. Yes, by the Spirit. Yes. And so in this new covenant, the first thing is that all our sins and lawless deeds are forgotten about. The slate is white clean. The whole purpose of the law was not to judge you for those things. It was to show you that that's all you can produce in your own human effort. Having proven that with a test, the fiery furnace, in the uh, which was part of the Abrahamic Covenant, Having proved that you could only produce wood, hay, and stubble, and we went over that a little bit about the wood, hay, and stubble that Abraham and David both produced. Having proven that, we have silver, gold, and costly stone, and they are produced indirectly from these trials because it says these trials produce endurance, and we we learned that endurance word is hupermino. So It's tribulation that actually drives us to abide in Christ. And it doesn't even really say that we decide to abide in Christ. I would say it's more of we have no other options but to abide in Christ. I don't know. I know you have been in some of those trials, and I know people in our audience have come to that point where they say, I see no way out of this trial except. I'm just going to cling to God. I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to depend on the love of God. I know God loves me and I know his love is not going to disappoint me. Mm -hmm. And I know he's given me his Spirit. And probably we would never know about this dependence upon the Spirit if we weren't ever put in situations where we had no other option but to depend on the spirit generally as it goes the thanks be to god usually comes after the trial don't know many people i've never done it myself said thank you for this trial because i can't wait to see (laughs) what you're going to do through me
0: never said that as much as i know this i still have never said
1: what's the whole purpose of affliction, tribulation, trials? Not to like exercise your faith, they're to make the guardians of grace point, are you so foolish? After beginning in the spirit, are you now going to try and attain the goal by human human effort? Are you going to get your way out of this trial you're in? I don't know. Certain people that get on television and talk about prosperity, and that if if you're not prospering in your life, God doesn't love you. You're not exercising faith. The way you can exercise faith is to write a check to our ministry. That's just vanity here, isn't it? It's bogus. They would teach you that if you're going through a trial, it's because you're not believing in God. But this passage that we just read says quite the opposite. You're going through the trial because God does love you this trial you're going through is not that you're not trusting God. It's just showing you how much you do need to trust God and how valuable your trust in God actually is. It's the value of silver, gold, and costly stone versus the worthlessness of wood, hay, and stubble. To have jets and nice homes and is not really silver, gold, and costly stone. It's actually going to rob you from becoming dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It's actually your poverty.
0: So I'm I'm hoping this makes sense, yeah, and I'm hoping this podcast makes sense. It's, it's not an easy topic to verbalize. The idea that these trials, from the time the New Covenant started till the end of time, all these trials are not because you've sinned or you've done anything wrong it's not a form of punishment or anything but the the trials are testing for manifestations of god to come alive that, that's what it said in James without works faith is dormant and gives an illustration of Abraham where his faith was dormant for 35 years and then it became active and we're just hoping that you'll understand what these trials are for they are to test for manifestations of the spirit and I'm asking you Lord to cause us to take root in this new covenant idea, because it is a new covenant idea. For me, for a long time, it was just a new idea. I didn't understand it at all. But eventually, you allowed my understanding to come through. And I thank you so much for this. And I just pray for all my fellow guard dogs that you would cause their understanding to come alive. The eyes of their hearts to be open for them to manifest the mind of Christ and understand and receive the truths that are found in your word, Father. I pray this for all the guard dogs out there in Jesus name. Amen. Amen and amen. We love you guys. We love you. Good night.